Copper Shores Community Health Foundation is proud to introduce you to Do Good Volunteer of the Month, Jen Shad. When it comes to equipment loans of the CUNA, Jen does just about everything. Funding, paperwork, marketing, organizing, and participating. Jen has dedicated hours and hours of her life to the cause of bringing adaptive sports opportunities to the copper country. The good she has brought into people's lives is immense. If you know an incredible volunteer like Jen, go to coppershores.org slash do good and nominate them to be recognized as the next Do Good in the Copper Country Volunteer of the Month. Good Sunday morning again and welcome to Copper Country Today. I'm Todd Van Dyke. Our program is brought to you by the Copper Shores Community Health Foundation. You can learn more about them at coppershores.org. The clock is ticking, opening day, just a few days away as we broadcast this on Sunday morning. And as we customarily do, we check in with a couple of dear experts from the Department of Natural Resources. John DePew is here. Mark Pomeroy is here. Gentlemen, welcome back to Copper Country Today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Here. The deer season coming up, what are the projections? I know you guys put some effort into looking into this. What, what are we looking forward to? Well, so, yeah, as kind of you're alluding to, last year was our first year with uh, mandatory registration. But it was year one, right? So we will need a few years of data to give us some index, give us a trend, right? Uh, but what we do know is that going into this deer hunting season, there are some places that fared pretty well this past winter, and the, and the deer are doing okay in the southern, so, south central UP. But probably to the listening area here in the west UP, we had that uh, an average winter, but we had that late season wet, heavy snow in April, which is really critical time for deer, right? Their fat reserves are gone. A lot of them have maybe started to break out from the deer wintering complexes and went to places looking for for uh, nitrogen-rich food that is starting to come up in the field, and then they were hit with heavy, wet one to two feet of snow. Mother Nature hit them when they were down. When basically. they were down, yep. And I think that is that had an impact of pretty... We'll see this, this, this uh, coming hunting season, but there are certainly some areas where it hurt the population for sure. Obviously, we don't necessarily know that for certain, but... Uh but we, we can anticipate that uh, we're going to have probably then a little bit less of a harvest here in the Copper Country, the western UP, and as you said, a little bit more down in the southern portion of the Upper Peninsula. Yeah, that's likely the case. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still opportunities out there. It might take guys longer. There's not going to be a deer behind every every tree, which there isn't usually in this listening area anyway. But um, Yeah, I haven't noticed that in recent years myself. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So talk about the deer population. Uh, there seem to be more in the southern portion of the uh, upper peninsula. Certainly when I lived in the lower peninsula, there were deer all over the place sure. down there. And of course, a lot of that had to do with the farming yeah. in those areas. If you really want good, tasty deer, go to southern Michigan because they're all nice corn-fed, absolutely you know, nice big deer up there. They tend not to be so much. Why has the deer population struggled a little bit more here in the northern part of the Upper Peninsula? Is it just our general climate in the long winters? Well, that's a huge part of it, right? For certain, we, you know, most of our our listening area and our, our area here in the central and west UP is forest dominated. So we we have some agriculture in in Berga County and Ontonagon County and bits and pieces here and there, but it's it's uh, big woods, you know, big forest dominated. And of course, we have, as you know, we're gearing up for winter, and we have four to six months of winter, big snows, uh, deer, deer are not they're not caribou, they're not long-legged moose. They they have a trouble. 
uh, in big snow country, which is what we have. So big snows, uh, long cold winters can have a serious impact on on deer population. And of course, um, you know, we've got plenty of things that like to eat deer as well. Um, so, so with predators and snow um, and vehicles, you know, it's it's can be trouble. But, but <laughs> don't but, talk to me about vehicles. Four but, uh, four deer crashes in the last thirty months and two totaled cars. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, so when we talk about the UP specific, like in in southern UP, Menominee, Dickinson, those counties are what we call quote unquote the banana belt, right? They get a yeah. fraction of the snow that we get here up up in the copper country. They have our a lot more agriculture. They have the same same predators, if not maybe some predators more, because the deer abundance is significantly higher. Sure, the predators um, go to where the deer are. Well, they're they're, they're not going to go and starve. Yeah, that's they're yeah. smart. Talk about those predators, because uh, I'm hearing again from people that uh, the whole shortage of deer here in our area is caused because of the wolves. Well, certainly wolves eat deer. Yep. And coyotes eat deer. Yep. And bobcats eat deer. And we do have some of them. Oh, we do. Uh, bears eat deer. Okay. Deer so. fawns. Oh, yeah, man. In the springtime, those bears are amazing with their noses and, and, and rooting out deer fawns. I, I didn't realize Interestingly, that. Interestingly, in we had a big predator-prey study here in the UP, and per the number of bobcats on the landscape, they are huge predators on, on deer fawns, believe it or not. We don't hear much about bobcats. Well, we don't have, they're not in great abundance. I mean, but I, for the number of bobcats that exist, they disproportionately eat a lot of fawns. And then, of course, up here, right, winter is like, you can have rough winter. The conditions that we have, it can kill, you know, hundreds of deer in a winter in one, in one shot, right? And well, even and one, it, one spring, like, like this past event, yeah. they, things were going good, and then bam, right? Um, big widespread event across counties and a severe winter here is multiplied compared to a severe winter say in Menominee County oh absolutely because all of a sudden we get so much snow that uh, I remember driving I think it was I working Copper Dog 150 a few years ago we had a tremendous amount of snow and I was driving past that feedlot up in uh, Eagle Eagle River mm -hmm. and the banks were so high that the deer couldn't jump up across them. And I think if I see a snowbank that's so high a deer can't jump across it, that's a problem. Some of those deer lots are critical to our deer population here, are they not? They can be. Now, we have, we have um, natural deer wintering complexes. They're large. And, um, but, but folks have been feeding deer for a long time that deer just know and migrate to those places that deer get fed. Um, they can be critical, but they can also be a problem. When you concentrate a lot of deer in a small area for a long period of time, one, there's disease, potential disease issues for spread, right? Well, and we've Two, seen that with some uh, deer, po that, deer yeah. problems. Uh, the deer get stressed, right? When they're, they're into a two-acre area or kind of confined, they're not, they're not like, there's not fences around it, but as the snow builds up, as you're talking about, they can get confined. And that can be an issue with stress. And then third, of course, again, we talked about predators not being dumb, right? They are smart yeah. and they know <laughs> they know where to go to get food. And when deer are concentrated in a small area over a long period of time, the predators are going to find them and they're going to hang out and just 
do what they needed to do to survive the winter as well. And so um, some, some of the um, operators feeding deer in the wintertime um, through discussions have start to started to spread out their, their, their feeding locations, right, spread them out. Not by like 50 or 100 feet, by like larger distances. So it spreads. Now it's hard to do, right? It's like takes some effort on the people doing the feeding to like spread the food out over, so disperse them a little bit. But I can see that would be a lot healthier for the deer. It's going to be better, yeah. And and a lot safer for them, I suppose, as well as predators uh, predators come in and learn about this. Are there people, private people, who should not be feeding deer? I mean, I talk you know, with a lot of people. Yeah, I've got my, my deer stack out in the backyard, that kind of thing. Well, I don't, I, I would say this. Um, if you're close to a road, well, well you, you should not be feeding, you can't be feeding deer within a quarter mile of a, of a highway, right? Because that's a danger for the people on the road and for the deer because they're going to end up crossing and getting yeah. a vehicle collision and strikes and, and human health issue. The other thing is do not start feeding deer if you don't have the means to feed them through April. So we see and hear about this a lot, where it's fun and it's great and you get started in December, right? And you put your, and then, and you only had five deer, right? And then in January, now you have 10 deer. And of January 15, now you got 25 in February because they find it. And yeah. now, and now it's like, they tell their friends. Now it's the beginning of March and um, if deer feed's expensive. Yep. And then you just decide you can't do it anymore. And this is a critical time. Now they're stuck because of those high snow banks he talked about. It's hard for them to move about. Or what happens also is that, like, the end of March, like, you're kind of, you're running out of food and, and money to feed these deer because they've gotten expensive. You see some grass exposed, right, because the snow is melting, and you stop feeding them at the end of March, and the winter's not over. And the places that they need to go to, disperse to, do not have food available. And you stop feeding at the end of March, and then the deer are in the most critical time and they don't have any food. You stop feeding them. It's like it's like yep. bad. So don't start feeding. And I get these calls all the time, and people are like, "Well, I, there was only three deer when I started, and this is like the middle of December." I said, "Stop! Don't put another ounce of food out there." So they will get the hint and move on to places where where they can find and have cover for the entire winter, including the critical spring. So if you don't have the intentions or the means to feed them through April, don't start. We're talking about the, the deer season coming up. John DePew is here. Mark Pomeroy is here. Let's talk about the deer season that is coming up. Begins on uh, Thursday, I think, if I've got my calendar right, the 15th. What time does it officially start? Actually, it starts, um, you know, a half hour before sunrise and where you're at, where your boots are at. And we do have a page in our digest to look at what county you're hunting in. So it may vary a little bit by a few minutes, depending on which county you're hunting in. And so it changes day by day. That's correct. About I, years ago, I, I think it was my first deer season as a broadcaster working downstate. I get this call at six o'clock in the morning from a guy who says, I just got the first deer of the season. Will you announce it? And I said, um, no, I'll do you a big favor and not announce it because you can't be out at six o'clock in the morning hunting deer. Correct. So make sure you know what the times are, and you have to stop when. And that's, that just goes the other end of the spectrum. It's a half hour after the sun goes down. Um, again, post it in your digest, or you can look on your smartphone. Yep. It'll tell you sunrise, sunset. Make your adjustments for a half hour before and a half hour after from there. Yep. You and can go to the, the DNR website. Uh, they've got the hunting guide up there. You can look, and the timetables are all there 
for this part of the state, which is different than some of the other parts of the state because we are farther to the west, so the sun rises later and goes down later. So, so hey, uh, Just to be clear, because we don't want to mislead anyone, it is November 15th, which this year is Wednesday. Wednesday, I'm sorry. Thank it's okay. you. okay. And it's always the 15th. Yes. It's the 15th. Is, well, you need to know the 15th, what day it lies <laughs> Matters on the year, but it's the 15th and it's Wednesday this year. I stand corrected. I didn't have my calendar in front of well, me. Well, we don't want to. We don't want to. They would just be a day late. No. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you. for right. Yeah, because all the deer will be gone by then because everybody gets them on opening day, right? <laughs> that is how it works. Are there new rules this year? Actually, we're, we're very stable for our area for this year. There has not been a significant rule change um, for this year. Um, there's been a little bit of change in the, the South Central UP regarding the CWD area. So if, you, if you're going to travel down to that Dickinson County, Menominee County area, they relax some of the CWD regulations for that area. Um, I'm assuming that's because we haven't had any chronic wasting disease issues there for a while? Correct. Correct. So that's good news. That is good news. Yes, good news. We don't want we don't want that our, getting into for our the listening area here in the in the western UP in the Copper Country. Our our regulations pretty much are, are standard as as you found them last year. Um, another point we're going to stress this year, like like John mentioned, was our deer registration numbers. Uh, it is mandatory. Um, we give you plenty of time to register a deer. You can go online. It takes you a few minutes to do. Um, you don't have to do it immediately. You, you have a three day window in there, seventy two hours to do it. Um, and the big thing with that is it's all for biology. Um, sports people wanted accurate deer counts of how many deer were harvested each year, and the best way to do that is to make your, your deer registration mandatory. So um, it's very simple, but it's also required. Yeah, and I know there was some resistance when that came out last year because there were people saying, I'm not going to do blah, 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 blah. But it's not Big Brother watching over us. And, and tracking your hunting or anything like that. It is the DNR wanting to make sure that the deer herd is managed appropriately and we get appropriate counts. Absolutely. And, you know, in response to sportsmen wanting this information. Yeah. Right. So, so that, I mean, that's just the thing. It's like it wasn't, we didn't, we didn't make this up out of the blue. Other states are doing it in the Midwest. And, and deer hunters said, let's, let's do this. We, we want it. So, and you can register basically through your phone. There's a, Correct. You, the, is, is there a specific app you download for that, or do you just go to the DNR website? Both. There's, oh. a, <clears throat> there's an app you can go through. Um, if you forget how to do it, you can simply Google how to register a Michigan deer. It'll send you to the link and walk you through. And, and like I said, it's just a matter of a few minutes, and you're completed. Can't do that from my camp. Got no service. Well, and that's why we we put a window in there. Um, yeah. it's not immediate. It's not twenty four hours. So because yeah, at some point you're going in for groceries or you're going in for a correct. little beverage or something like that. Just uh, just takes a couple of minutes. And uh, please make sure that you do that because the more the DNR knows about the deer herd, the better it can be managed, and hopefully the more deer we have available for the harvest in the deer season. Yeah, and, and just to add to that too, um, you know, we understand that everyone's not computer savvy or smartphone savvy, so you can also, you can call the the Berga office and they'll help you register your deer. So during office hours, call them up, give them your information, and they'll help you through the process. So there's a lot of opportunities for you to be able to register your deer. All right, let's talk about safety. We've invested a lot of money over the last few years in search and rescue up here on the Keweenaw Peninsula. Got a couple of organizations that are pursuing that now. The fact that we have made that investment does not necessarily mean that we want to use that investment to try to find you out in the woods. If you're going out to hunt, 
what should you do to stay safe? Uh, number one thing is share your location with somebody. Uh, if you don't share your location where you're going to be hunting that day, uh, how do safety officials even attempt to find you? Yeah. If you look how vast our landscape here is in the western UP, um, even a simple fact of a general location, what kind of vehicle you're using, are you using a four-wheeler, are you using a pickup truck? If we can find your vehicle, we should be able to find where you're at. Um, and, and a big thing is what time approximately do you think you'll return? So share that with your camp members. Um, if you're hunting alone, share that with somebody that could report you missing if you don't show up at the appropriate time that day with the, with the location to get it started looking for you. Yeah, and make sure that uh, somebody is expecting you to return so that if you don't return, they can make a call. Because if nobody's expecting you to return, it could be two or three days before anybody realizes you're missing. Correct. So out in the woods, um, let's say I go hunting. I'm in my late 60s. I don't do a lot of physical activity. How should I pace myself? A big thing is stay dry. Um, don't get wet for trying to cross a creek or doing something you're not comfortable with. Um, don't sweat. If you have to walk a distance, uh, lighten your layers. Take Maybe take a jacket off while you're walking and, and put it on when you find a spot to uh, stay stationary. But um, st you're going to stay a lot warmer if you stay dry. And it could be a life-saving measure there. Talking with uh, Mark Pomeroy and John DePue from the DNR as we get ready for the opening of the firearm deer season Wednesday. I got this right now. <laughs> this way, somebody told me recently, and I did. I don't know if this is accurate, so I'm going to ask you. I've always assumed that the hunting color is orange, required by state law. Somebody told me recently you can use pink. Is that possible? Not for Michigan. Michigan has not made any changes from that. Okay. It's, it's still the blaze orange or the hunter's orange garment. Um, there's been talk of that. Um, but in Michigan, we have not moved the regulations to that yet. And the suggestion that I always make is if you're, obviously if you're hunting, you know you should wear the orange and you should wear the orange. If you're just hiking, if you're just going out into the woods, you should probably also wear the orange. For the month of November, it's highly suggested. There's a lot of a lot of people in the woods, a lot of people that are that are deer hunting, be it archery hunting right now, or moving to the firearm season. And uh, in talking towards the deer season coming up, deer do not see the color orange when they're walking through the woods. So wear more orange, be visible to other hunters, and be safe. And because deer don't see orange, this doesn't necessarily alert them to the fact that you're sitting up there in your stand looking down. Correct they don't see that the biggest thing is if you don't wear a lot of orange uh i think you're increasing your danger so when in doubt make sure you got a hat cap jacket on a vest be um, obvious absolutely do not be subtle these orange gloves are not necessarily going to do the job no they don't no be obvious because you want to be safe and obviously we caution hunters make sure you know what you're shooting at before you shoot Right, and be respectful of others is a big thing we, we push is in, in saying that of know your hunting area. Um, maybe do some homework ahead of time to make sure you're not sitting right next to somebody else. Um, be observant in the morning if you see other flashlights coming in. You may have hunters that show up the day before that you've never seen a hunter in your area. So be aware, be observant, and um, like you said, be respectful of others. 
Yeah, how do you watch for that? Because it certainly would be possible, I would think, for Hunter A to be positioned just a few hundred yards away from Hunter B, and then you've got a, an issue there. How do, you, how do you watch out for fellow hunters? Be observant. If you see other vehicles in the area that you haven't seen before, a big thing is, is flashlights. If you see any flashlights in the morning before you go in, um, keep an eye out for orange. And that, that would be one of the biggest things. If you happen to see a glimpse of orange in the area, probably another hunter in your area. And unless you own the property you're sitting on, or somebody else owns it and has given you specific permission, out on public land, there is no such thing as, quote-unquote, my hunting territory. That's correct. And we, we run into conflicts starting this weekend right through the end of the season of people trying to hunt on the same piece of ground on public land but just remember it's open for everybody and and that's why i stress just be respectful if there's plenty of ground for everybody to hunt on um but everybody has to share when it comes to public land it seems like every year i hear one or two of these stories of somebody who's saying hey i've i've hunted here for the last 20 years this is my place and you may think it's your place but if it's on public land it is not your place. Where should you not hunt? Safety zones around uh, occupied dwellings is a big thing. Uh, city limits is another um, closed off area. Uh, private property, um, if you it's up to the hunter to know where your feet are to have permission to where your feet are. So uh, like I said, do some research ahead of time. We have plat books out there. We have uh, phone apps. Am so, I Hunt is a great free program called MI Hunt. You can search and it'll show you all the lands that are open to hunting, be it forest service land, state owned lands, or commercial forest lands that are open to hunting. Um, so take a look at that before you go so you know where, you are, where you're at on either private land or lands that are open to hunting. What kind of activities should you avoid? Baiting, for example, what's the rule on that? Baiting's been pretty consistent for years. It's two gallons of bait and spread it out to the best of your ability over a 10 by 10 area. Um, a big thing in our area is most of our land, um, especially in the northern part of the Copper Country, is commercial forest land. So remember that it is still private land, but it's open to public hunting. So be respectful of gates, signs, fences. Um, most of that land you can walk in and, and hunt and fish, but you need to take everything with you, and you can't use your four-wheelers on a lot of, this, a lot of the property. So that's one of the big violations that we see is people driving all over with ORVs, side-by-sides, and four-wheelers instead of walking in where they where they should be walking. How much of a problem do we have with poaching, people taking out of season, people taking more in season than they should? It tends to increase this time of year, and, and depending on the area and where you're at, sometimes there is this, this stressor or this obligation you feel that like you must harvest an animal to have fun. Um, but enjoy your season take that factor right out of the equation and you'll have a lot more fun for deer season. Are there people who go out without guns and just cameras, things like that? Very few, especially during firearm season. Everybody, at least up in our area, it's it's in your heritage. People deer hunt and people have a firearm with them and they're trying to harvest a deer. In in the area where our camp is and we're down uh, southwest of Sidna, southeast of Kenton, I certainly don't see the activity in the camps around there that I saw 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Um, is, is this down in general in our area, or is, is the lake on three I, road just I, unique? I don't think there's any shortage of hunters in the copper country. Um, you can compare numbers. Maybe it's down in some areas. I, I think it just varies on maybe which road you go down, which area you go down. But 
part of that is life is fast now. Life is busy. So people yeah. may not have two weeks off. Yeah. They may just have the first couple of days or they may take the second week. So our, our activity, I think, is more spread out now throughout the whole season. But I wouldn't say there's a shortage of hunters in the Copper Country. Well, and these were are basically camps that are owned by people who live downstate. So they are the people who, like you said, used to have two weeks of vacation that they could come up. And now maybe I see them up for a weekend, mm -hmm. a long weekend, maybe the first week of camp. So uh, not as much activity, at least in our area, as there used to be. Um, we got to wrap this up. Any other things that we ought to be talking about here? You know, I think, uh, you know, it, like just building off what Mark said, you know, expectation of of spending time uh, with friends and family in the woods, and and you know, from my perspective, away from a computer, away from an office, time in the woods, and you know, killing killing a deer, of course, is the objective, but um, you know, just just being able to get out and spend time with uh, at a camp or in the field with friends and families, you know, that'll make your hunt really, really a lot more enjoyable than if your focus is just killing on, you know, the 32-point buck. Well, so if you find the 32-point buck, good luck. <laughs> You'll be able to retire from the DNR on the royalties you get off that thing. Um, and, and one other reminder as we uh, wrap this up here, obviously one of the joys of deer camp is having the occasional beverage, but keep it sober when you're shooting. Absolutely. There's requirements um, as far as consuming alcohol and hunting with a firearm. So I think that's pretty much common sense is uh, don't do it until you're, you're done hunting for the day. John DePew and Mark Pomeroy, thank you for coming in for Copper Country today. Let's hope we have a productive and safe hunting season. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy your season.